we've got two Sundays in between uh, now and Advent. And so I've been praying about kind of, you know, what things should we talk about? What, you know, I've got two bonus Sundays, if you would, that are not series. So what should we kind of tackle? And uh, as I was praying and thinking, I had this question kind of roll around in my head. If you had never seen a Christian, how would you know what one was? Okay, so, for example, imagine this. You've never been to church. You've never been around a Christian in your life. But you are out in public at Walmart. How are you going to be able to say, oh, look, there's a Christian right there. How would you know? What? She... <laughs> there's a Pentecostal Christian, right? Okay. Okay. I, I, I got you. That's fair. That's fair. You know, so again, I mean, what kind of outward things are we going to see? Or, you know, is outward at all? What kind of behavior? Um, how are they going to act and speak? And, you know, I mean, are they going to be nice and friendly? Are they going to be loving? Are they going to be rude? And then I started to think about Christians that I do see out in public. Uh, who's been a waiter before? Okay. Okay. On Sundays, are you excited to see the Christians come into the restaurant? So if you are a waiter, how do you know if Christians have come? Because they're cheap and they're mean and they're grumpy and they're going to, right? They're cheap. They're not going to tip you at all. They're going to leave you a track. I don't got no money for you, but you know what? Jesus loves you and, you know, sorry. Eternal life is worth more than $10. Just get over it. Jesus gives 10%. There you go. Again, um, okay, uh, Black Friday's coming up, which, by the way, I hate the new Black Friday. Like, do you guys like what they're doing with Black Friday now? You know, where it's like, it's like, it's not Friday anymore, it's Thursday, it's not midnight anymore, now it's like 3 p.m., right? I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just lame. You know, like, you know, you don't quite have the same fights, it's not quite as fun, like, you're not, you know, outside getting frostbite, you know, as you wait in line. Anyways, it's... In those moments, how are you going to tell who the Christian is in those environments? When the doors open and everyone runs to get the, you know, like the latest toy, is the Christian going to be the one in the front line going, oh, here you go, oh, oh, here, here you go, here, you can have mine? Yes or no? In your experiences, what was the Christian doing? Yeah, yep. Look more like a ninja, right? Like just smacking people, right? It's that mom with like 20 kids, you know? We don't use birth control because we have an army when we go shopping, right? We're going to meet our enemies at the gates. I don't know where that came from. That was fun, though. So the question still remains, okay? Um, how are we going to tell if someone's a Christian if you've never seen one before? And so if we shift this over, okay, how am I going to tell who is a Razorback fan or since we don't have many of those right now, how am I going to tell who is a Cowboys fan? What am I going to look for? Okay, first thing that we're going to notice about someone who's a fan of anything, who is a part of any group, the first thing is this. They will be talking about it. Agreed? So if the Cowboys are winning, they're going to be talking about, oh, it's our year. It's finally going to happen again, right? Okay. Okay. If it's going the way this year's going, they're going to be complaining about Ezekiel Elliott, right? It's Arkansas. You guys know of these fans around you, right? They're going to talk it up, right? If they're passionate, if they're part of it, if it is something that's vital to lives, they're going to be speaking about it to everyone. 
what do you speak the most about in your day? Okay, we'll move on. They're going to talk about it. Secondly, they're going to invest their time in it, right? So on Facebook, we get the joy of seeing what everyone else gets to do, right, on Facebook. Oh, look, they went to another game. Look, they're in Dallas again. Wow, you guys are really quiet. This is, this is real, right? I mean, like, do you have those friends? Oh, they went to another Razorback game, right? They're investing time in it, right, because they care about it. Make sense? Okay. If you don't want to talk, just nod a little bit. Yes, it makes sense. Okay, so we've got talking about it. We have investing time in it. What else are they going to invest in it? If they're going to a game, it's not just time they're investing. What else are they investing? Money. Do you know how much money it takes to go out of town? It's not just the ticket, right? It's not just the gas. It's not just the food. Now you got hotel and you got all the little things. Just, it's a lot of what? Money. They're going to invest their money in it. Oh, how about this? Last week was the beginning of modern gun season. You can tell that I'm a big-time hunter, can't you? Yes, I've been out in the woods this whole time. There are a lot of guys who have been talking about it, right? They've been spending their time doing it, correct? And they were out there using their time talking about it because they spent their what on it? Their money. Spent their money on it. I got, I got my new rifle, got my new camos, got my new boots, I got my deer urine, Right? Do I know what I'm talking about? No clue, but I'm guessing. I've seen it on the shelf, right? <laughs> oh, this is bad. I should pull back on the hunting one. Okay, so back to cowboys, all right? There's going to be behavior. There's going to be actions that we're going to do because of what matters most to us. If you're a Razorback fan, there's something that we do which you would never do in any other place in your entire life, correct? If you call the hog... Then in any other environment, in any other state in the country, at any moment, people would think you are a loon, correct? But in the right environment, we do something that I still, I still can't bring myself to do it right now because this is not the right place, okay? But we call the spirit hogs because we're doing witchcraft because it's pig suey, you know? We're calling the spirit of hog past or who knows what we're calling, All right, We're calling the spirit of hogs and we're calling for spiritual empowerment of hogs to fill our terrible team. We're going to lose even worse, right? Like, that's what we're doing. We have actions because this is our value. This, this matters to us. And so, because it matters, we talk about it, we invest our time in it, we spend our money in it, and it controls our actions. Now, that's more the funny stuff, but think about your, how about this? What in your life has the majority of your talk, that you spend the majority of your time thinking, speaking about it, the majority of your time investment, the majority of your money investment, and the majority of dictating your choices in life. Just think about it for a second. I guarantee you the first thing was not Christ. Would someone like to argue with me on that? Okay. Right? There are so many other things that, that, that take the majority, that get the most of me, right? What in your life gets the most of you? And it can be a good thing, too. You know, uh, you know who, who spends the majority of their time, you know, talking about their kids, investing their time with their kids, spending their money on their kids, right? And you have to have actions because of your kids. So, like, every time you go somewhere, you have to have a change of clothes and snacks and Right? Like those snacks are not for you, or they shouldn't be, correct? 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's questionable. That's questionable. Again, how would you be able to tell a Christian? Well, what's funny about this is it kind of gives us attention. Because with any other kind of thing, I would say, well, look at what they're talking about. Look at where their time goes. Look at where their money goes. And look at where, you know, what controls their actions. How are they spending their weekend? How are they spending their free time? What are they doing with their actions and their time and their money? And with all these other things, well, I can tell that they're a fan of this sport. I can tell that they like to hunt. I can tell that they like cars. I can tell that they're, you know, passionate about their business, passionate about their kids, passionate about Alma, whatever it is. But all of a sudden, we have this block here, right? How many Christians in your life can you tell they're Christians by these four things? How much they talk about it, how much takes their time, how much takes their money, and how much it takes controls their actions. And all of a sudden, the list of people in your life who fit that category all of a sudden begin to get very slim. Because few of us treat this supposed priority the way that we treat all other priorities in our life. Anything else in our lives that matters to us gets these things from us. Agreed? What matters most to you in your life? Think about it. It's gonna, you're going to talk about it. You're going to put your time into it, your money into it. It's going to dictate your choices. But for some reason, this priority, it doesn't seem to work that way. What's going on here? What is the disconnect for us with this? Why is it that Christ gets the least of all these things from us, but yet we are here this morning saying that He is our Lord. He is the one who directs our lives. He is the the starting point of what it is in our lives that, that controls all the things. How are we even here if, if it doesn't show up in these other ways? Having fun yet? Oh yeah, having a blast. This is so fun. Now, here's what I hear said a lot. Your religious practices are your personal beliefs. Have you guys heard that before? It's your personal beliefs. So, in the workplace, you are allowed to have your personal beliefs, correct? It's okay. In this culture, you are allowed to have your personal beliefs. What is personal code for? Private. You can have your religion as long as it is contained, as long as you keep it at home, as long as you keep it over here, over there, as long as it doesn't cross over. Correct? Now, the people who don't keep their faith private, we have a word for that. It starts with an F. Fanatic. The root of the word what? Fan. Correct? Now, it's okay for us to be a fan of anything else. At your workplace, you could probably get away with calling the hogs. I mean, like right now, maybe not, but like in three months when we get a new coach, yes, you could. And everyone would do it with you. It's acceptable. It's culturally acceptable. But if you begin to allow the other parts of your faith, the other things that you are fanatical about, to cease to be private and to become public, you have a problem now, correct? Again, we have a title for you. You are fanatical. You are taking your your value of this thing too far because now it is affecting other people. Do you get that? 
is a problem because now it is affecting others. Correct? So, if your faith is private, what is it not doing? Affecting others. If you are not talking about your faith, if you're not investing your time in your faith, not investing your money in your faith, if you're not investing your choices in your faith, what are you not affecting? Others. Do we see the disconnect here for us? Now, what's so powerful about this this little sequence of questions is it kind of unearths, again, the ism, or if you would, it, it unearths the plastic view of Christ that most of us still have. What I love about Advent is it challenges us because it brings us back to baby Jesus, okay? And so many of us love the concept of that plastic nativity set with blonde Jesus and, you know, all the fun stuff, right? We just love to have this plastic little baby Jesus. I can, I can just wrap him up, take him with me to my home. He's just going to be in the front lawn, you know, right next to Frosty. It's great, you know? It's awesome. You know, I can have him right there. He's not really bothering anybody, and I can just go back and just kind of do my thing, you know? See, the problem is this. The problem is not that we have a culture that suppresses our faith. It's not really about the culture at all. The problem is that we want it to be suppressed. Every one of us has a part of our lives where we want Jesus to be confined to a space in our lives. See, the concept of having church on Sunday, see, all the preachers who were passionate, radical 50 years ago were protesting that we wanted to lock Christianity and Jesus into Sunday mornings. Oh, you just want to put Jesus into Sundays. You just want to give him one day and keep the rest for yourself. Of course, today we're asking for you to come once a month. How about that? Right? If you could just come one Sunday every four, that'd be a good start. Right? Come on now. You guys got Facebook. You know who goes to church here, right? If we could just get you here like once a month, that'd be great. If you could just check in on Facebook once a month. How about that? We want to confine Christ. We want to limit his access to our lives because there's a problem. The moment that our faith becomes about more than just ideas, more than just beliefs, all of a sudden it becomes about what? Actions. And the problem with actions are that one, it affects us, but two, it affects others. Are you seeing this? So, if I were to ask you right now, what is it that makes a Christian? Just think in your head. What is it that makes a Christian? What makes you Christian? The majority of you in the room are going to instantly think about ideas. I believe that Jesus is is the Son of God. I believe that He died for my sins. I said a prayer about that. Correct? Most of us thought about beliefs, ideas. Interesting where that comes from, right? It's okay to be a Christian as long as you keep your personal beliefs personal. But what do the Scriptures say about about this whole thing? Let's go to James 2. If you guys have your Bibles, go to James 2. We're going to start here in uh, verse 14. My brothers and sisters, what is good? Uh, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone. Let's pause there. It can't affect anyone, correct? It can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked 
and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal, or as we say today, I'll pray for you. Yeah? How about that? Your brother comes to you, hey, I lost my job, I'll pray for you. Right? Come on now, that's all of us. Just nod a little bit. Yes, I've done that. How many of you guys go, oh, how much money do you need? Okay, that's too fanatical, correct? What if you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? (laughs) What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Meaning, if all you have is is a system of beliefs, ideas, If your beliefs don't affect your actions, you don't really believe them anyway. Sure? Yeah, no. If your beliefs don't inform your actions, if what I believe doesn't propel me to act a certain way, I don't really believe them anyway. I've learned at the gym, it's very hard to give advice to people on something that I don't do. I hate squats. Hate them. Well, you know, when you're squatting, if you just squat this way, you know, it, it's, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't really know, but I've heard from people who do know. It's helpful. Someone might claim, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? That's, that's funny. We actually hear that a lot in churches. We'll see you use your time to kind of, you know, serve and whatever, but I spend my time in the Scriptures. I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice and faithful action. It's good that you believe that God is one. Ha, even the demons believe this, and they tremble with fear. Are you slow? Oh, I love this. Are you stupid? Are you slow? Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? Your little private system of beliefs, the prayer that you think you said about the beliefs you think you believe, if they're not budding fruit of action, if your life is not molded by this, how real is it? If I can tell by being around you for 30 minutes that you're a fan of the Razorbacks, that you like to go hunting, that your favorite restaurant is this, and that you hate this kind of food, and that your business, you know, you're so passionate about your role and you want to get, you know, on this promotion. If I can tell that in 30 minutes by being around you, but I can't see any real evidence of Christ's likeness on you, what value is there? So the first question we're asking this morning, are we Christian? Because, see, the one thing that you have to understand is this. The Christian faith is not about belief alone. See, we're called Christians, which means the word when you break it down is not just that we're people who believe things about Christ. We're people who follow and imitate Christ. Means The word Christian itself means that we look like little Christs. It's not we think like little Christ or we think about the big Christ. It's that we behave and move in such a way that when they see us, they go, oh, those people are followers of Jesus. Okay, here's why. Because they look like Jesus. The way that they talk, the way that they use their time, the way they use their money, the way that they, that they make their decisions, it tells me that they're like Jesus. 
See, what I love about this is it challenges every one of us. I could preach the same sermon, but if I don't challenge you, what do you, what's on your mind? What do you speak about? Where does your time go? Where does your money go? Where, what controls your choices and decisions? See, Pastor Zach is passionate about lifting now. He's only been doing it for about a month, man. But you get around that guy, he, he's going to tell you about squatting. He's going to tell you about his amazing leg power. It's pretty impressive, you know, I'll be honest. He will not tell you about the bench press. He will not tell you about that. I will tell you. No, he, he will tell you about this thing that matters to him. And he will tell you, and you will find out how much time he's putting in this thing. And he will tell you that all of his Christmas uh, list this year, he wants a bunch of things for lifting. He wants lifting shoes and gloves and a belt. He wants to spend money on it. And it, and it dictates his actions, the way he eats. The, he even sleeps more now. Don't you sleep more now? He sleeps more. Why? Because he wants to lift more. What I love about Pastor Zach is he's always consistent. He's consistent. He's not the guy who will tell you, oh, yeah, I'm so passionate about that. But he'll say, oh, no, I don't care about that anymore. But he's consistent. What he's passionate about, he will devote his thought, his time, his money, and his actions to. Because, <laughs> well, not really sure why, but you're just kind of built that way, I guess, right? Yeah, that's okay. And so for us, again, the question comes down to this. What, what's happening with us? Are we Christians? Are we people who, who allow this? If Christ is the most important thing in my life, it is the thing that defines the rest of my life. If Christ is king in my life, if he is my Lord and Savior, right? If I'm entrusting all of me to him, then surely I'm entrusting him with the things I think about, the things I invest my time into, my money into, and the choices I make in my future. This is what defines me as a Christian. If it doesn't, we need to wrestle with the question, am I a follower of Christ or not? The Scriptures do not frame it as are you a believer in Christ. The word believer, they use that because they had a different understanding of it. The Jews did not have any concept of believing something and not doing it. Those two things were interjoined. For you to know was for you to do. To be baptized, but not being baptized into just understanding, is being baptized into this thing they called the way. See, before Christians were called Christians, before it was called Christianity, it was called the way. You were being baptized into the way of Jesus. Because we, I was going this way, and now I'm going this way. My life was all about this, and now it's all about that. I am now going in the flow. I'm going in the direction. Everything about my life is being channeled and directed by this person. And the problem is, for most of us in the room, we can't say that. Our lives are not defined by Christ. They're defined by every other passion and priority that we have in our lives. And here's what it comes down to. All life has a rhythm to it. All life has a flow, meaning there is a, an, an inflow and an outflow to anything that has life. An inflow and an outflow. There is a, an inhale and an exhale to anything that has life. There's things that come in and things that come out. In and out. It's a balance. It's what life has. The moment your heart begins to only take in and not outflow, is that healthy? No. If it's only trying to pump blood out, but not trying to take it in. Is that healthy? 
When your lungs begin to go, we're just going to, what's going to happen next? You're going to black out and pass out. Correct. The moment that your body decides we're just going to eat and take in and we're not going to take out. Not a good thing. Not a good thing, right? The moment that an organism begins to consume but it doesn't create, it is unhealthy. And there are things that do that. There are things that consume and do not return value. We call them parasites and viruses, leeches, cancer. What are we? If we see ourselves in the body of Christ, which we just read about in Romans 12, what are we? We're called to be a a member of the body, a, a piece of the body, an organ of the body. We are something in the body that takes in but also puts out takes in and puts out. It, well, there's inflow, we are edified, and there's the outflow, we edify. And it's this variability for us to receive and to pour back out, to, to receive gifts and then to give gifts. This is what it is to be alive in the body of Christ. Are you a part of the body of Christ in learning, growing, maturing, being vulnerable, trusting people? And are you mature enough to be pouring out, outflowing? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you pouring into people's lives? What are you doing? The hard thing for us in this is that in any point in your life where there's not a balance, there's sickness. Think about your friendships. If there's a friendship where the one person is always the one who is pouring in, always pouring in, and the other person's always consuming, Is that a healthy relationship? Absolutely not. It's a sick relationship. If there's a relationship where you are always the one who is giving, you're always giving, always giving, you're not ever receiving, or it's just the balance isn't right, there's something wrong with this relationship. In your spiritual walk, if every place in your life that there's not a balance in your relationships, with your giftings, with your time, with your finances, if there's not a balance of what you are pouring into the body of Christ and what you are receiving from God from the body of Christ, there is is an illness, there's a weakness, there's something that needs to be fixed and made right. Maturity in the body is finding that rhythm, that balance. It's that heartbeat that has the proper rhythm. The breathing has the proper rhythm rhythm. When you are stressed or strained or nervous or scared, your breathing isn't right. Your heartbeat isn't right. It gets out of whack. The rhythm is not healthy. It's not consistent. And so for you as a, as a follower of Christ, the first question for us is this, are we Christian? The second question is, are we a healthy Christian? In all the parts of our lives, is there balance? See, for me, when I'm imbalanced, it's because I am doing all the pouring. It's not because I'm great. It's because of my personality. I find I'm edified. I get built up by pouring out. Now, it sounds really great, but there's actually something, you know, that's sick in it too. There's a part of me that needs to pour out. I need it, right? And there's a part of me that doesn't like to receive. Does that make sense? So even though on the outside it might look healthy, it's very unhealthy. It is a, it is a heart. It is lungs that are constantly trying to push out and not being able to receive. There is an imbalance. There's a lack of maturity taking place. 
If all that you're doing is receiving, you're consuming, you're taking in, taking in, taking in, and you're not pouring back out, you are not healthy. You are not healthily connected to Christ and the body of Christ. There's something missing, something off. How do you feel? Good? Are you a Christian? Are you a healthy Christian? We can go home. Would you guys stand with me? This is long, but I just have to read it. We're just going to read this. Let's go to, we're going to go to Romans 12 before we take a communion. We're going to go to Romans 12 real quick. I'm going to start in verse 3. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude. This is the message translation. For all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us. Not by what we are, we are and what we are doing for him. Do you see the, the outflow here? Now it's going to be the inflow. In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. And what that word meaning is not just mean, it's also we get edified, we get built up from this. Not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function. We find our meaning, the edification, the inflow, and our function, the outflow. We find where we fit. We find where we are in proper balance with Christ. We receive and we give. We receive and we give. And we find this in one place, in the body of Christ. I just lost my place. That's okay. It was good, right? So in the body of Christ is where we find the balance. We find the balance between we, the inflow of God breathing into our lives and the outflow of us responding by pouring out. We are people who are edified in God and because that we edify others to that same place. The danger for us this morning is if we, are, if we are getting our edification, if we are being encouraged, recharged outside of Christ, there's a problem. Because, see, you're always going to outflow. You're going to pour your time, your energy, your mind, your choices, your money into the place that you get edified the most. Hear me on that. You will pour yourself into the place that you get the most from. If it's your business, if it's the Razorbacks, if it's you know hunting, if it's you name it, working on that car, whatever it is, we will pour into the place that we are receiving. And the problem is we will never be properly connected to the body of Christ until we step in and allow God to begin to inflow through this, and then we will naturally outflow into this. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask, Lord Jesus, in all things, we want to be conformed. We want to be put into a right, proper place right function. We want our lives to have the right rhythm, that we are fully connected with you and there is an inflow of your spirit and your grace in our lives and the outflow of our time and energy and resources. In Jesus' name.